0: From the capital of the Commonwealth. This is the Sports Huddle with Bob Black on 1061 ESPN. We're also streaming live at espnrichmond.com and on the iHeartRadio app. Call in and talk with Bob anytime at 327 0888. Now, here's Bob Black with the Sports Huddle on 1061 ESPN.
1: Here's Castellanos. Castellanos, a high drive in the left center. Long run and career a catch plenty deep to score the run. start is in, and it's a 10 spot for the Phillies in game two. Another four run inning, two outs in the ninth. This was a close game until the sixth. Three two again, three. and a cold strike three, and that's the ball game. and The Philadelphia Phillies dominant in this postseason. And they- Leroy Sun and the delivery, the hitter, the side by Memo, and then. On the reaction and the rebound, goal, goal, Germany.
2: And that was just some of your Philly highlights for the day.
1: Where are the Flyer highlights? Come on, they were playing at the same complex last night. They had a 2-0 victory in their home opener. Where are the Flyer highlights, AJ? Oh, you are letting me down, my friend. You are absolutely letting me down with no Flyer Highlights out of that. Yeah, I took a flyer on it. Ah, good one. I see what you did there. Well played. The whole thing was well played. And I've got something really funny that you will really appreciate. And this will give you an opportunity to leave the door open just a crack for you to talk about something that has no business being talked about in Philadelphia or in Richmond at this particular time. But because Christine Lisi of ESPN and ESPN Sports Center led with it, I'm going to fill you in. On this, So her lead story today, and I get it on a national level, to a degree I get it, I really don't, was that James Harden was not at 76ers practice today. Well, let me take you back a step because about three hours ago, I got a text on my private text line. Only the special people have the private text line from Mike from Western PA. Mike from Western PA texts, James Harden, MIA at Sixers practice today. Will that be your lead this afternoon? It's a Philly story, question mark. And then he texted, AJ, seriously, do you think anyone in Philly really cares about this today? I'm starting to
2: think that nobody in the NBA cares about Harden anymore. (laughs) He's really, who's who wants this guy outside of the Clippers, who?
1: Well, my response text to Mike from Western PA was, well, my producer would want it to be, but this is one time when the host is going to take charge.
2: Yeah, you you did not let me know that. I would have had that lined up.
1: I've had to so, bite my
2: tongue for like the last week. With I've been, fo- I've been following Harden like it's my days of our lives.
1: AJ, we are not talking about James Harden on the show today. The host is putting his foot down and pounding his fists. I lost we zero are, to ten. We are not talking James Harden today. As I responded to Mike from Western PA, they don't even care much about the Eagles today, let alone James Harden after the Phillies dominating 10 nothing victory over Arizona last night. Um, it was fun to watch a game where you didn't have the pressure at the end. Like we recounted yesterday, I was at game one, fortunate enough to be there Monday night, and that was tense and that was pressure right down to the end, to the double play to end the game with the tying run at home plate. And quite honestly, that's the way playoff games should be. You don't get too many of these, although I will say the Phillies have now had one in back-to-back series. They had the 10-2 victory over Atlanta and now the 10 nothing victory last night over Arizona.
2: I-, they- I was actually bragging about you saying he went and watched probably the best playoff game in the entire playoff so far and then got to sit on his couch and watch them destroy them.
1: Here's the the other reason. Here's the other reason, and I know you and I are gonna get into this because we were texting it yesterday and I sent you a couple of the stories that were coming out of Philadelphia. The other reason I'm really glad I was there Monday night, and yes, to get my money's worth, I'd rather it have been the game that I saw Monday night, as long as you could guarantee me the outcome would be what I wanted it to be, rather than the blowout of last night. It was relaxing to sit there on the couch and watch the last three innings and see guys like Orion Keckering, who's going to be the Phillies closer for the next decade. The youngster who started the year in low A ball, now pitching in the National League Championship Series. They got him in a very low leverage situation last night, 10 to nothing in the ninth inning, and he struck out the side. So that was a beautiful thing to watch. If you're a Phillies fan, it was great to watch that last night and be as relaxed as you could be. But for my money's worth, I am glad I was there Monday night. The other reason I was glad that I was there Monday night is because last night there were 126,579 people, and I'm not making that number up, in the vicinity of the South Philadelphia sports complex between the Phillies National League Championship game, the Flyers home opener, and the international friendly at Lincoln Financial Field last night between Germany, and Mexico. That was a bit of a disaster, AJ. I know Philadelphians want to like brag about that last night, but they should never do that again. And I think it was a little bit unavoidable. I think the soccer thing got scheduled and then of course the baseball is an if thing. You got to make sure your team is in it certainly to know it. They knew the Flyers were going to play, but I can tell you from You know, the stuff I looked at yesterday, there were a lot of frustrated people trying to get to those events, particularly the soccer and the baseball. The soccer actually delayed about 15, 20 minutes to get more people in. Heck, to get the teams into Lincoln Financial Field. Um, I saw a report from the Phillies ticket office or PR office. It's the first time since the construction of all the stadiums in that area that they have literally sold out of every parking spot available for those three venues, there was nowhere to go. I am really glad, A.J., that I wasn't there Tuesday night. I, I would not have handled that particularly well if I couldn't find a place to park to get into my event. I love it. I, w- yeah. I would, be, I would well, love it. Well, of course you do. In. You were 250 miles away from it. How nah. about being in the middle
2: of it? I totally would have loved it. I, New York, man. I love being in the
1: middle of it. Ah. Ah, uh, see, I think there's, there was nothing they could really do about it. And they moved the time of the Flyers game up a couple hours to 6 o'clock. But that was the least attended of the three. Like, that would have been the easiest one to just let it go when it was because they had over 62,000 at the soccer game and they had over 45,000 at the baseball game. The hockey game, just by nature of the venue that they were in, Wells Fargo Center, only had about 18 or 19,000. People And they moved that game up to 6 o'clock, so those fans were probably free and clear to get their parking spaces because they probably were there by 5 o'clock at least to get those parking places. It was tough for the soccer community and the baseball community. I think it looks great, and we can all brag Philadelphia is the greatest sports town in America. I would have said that 30 years ago, let alone now, but I think last night kind of proved it again, but I wouldn't want to do that all over again. It's just too much of a bottleneck. (laughs)
2: You know what's funny? If Germany played USA, it wouldn't have been that packed. Like I, I the, agree. The amount of people that probably traveled outside of Philadelphia for that Mexico game is is probably insane.
1: No doubt about it. Uh, they announced a crowd of 62,284. For the soccer game, Lincoln Financial Field holds about 70000 So they were close to selling that out. Obviously, the Phillies game was sold out. And the Flyers game for their home opener was also sold out. And I heard you talking with um, Matt. And I'm glad he at least corrected you. You know, while you were not wrong, saying that the soccer game had the largest crowd of the three, you were also not totally correct about that just because of the size, the capacities of the venue. And sure, I would tell fine. you... I, I would tell you, A.J., that if the Phillies were playing in Lincoln Financial Field, they would have had $70,000. right. It, okay? Got it. Copy. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Okay? All right. It was a fun night. If you got into your venue before first pitch, first kick, first drop of the puck, you were a lot happier, I'm sure. And the outcomes were great. Um, well, first of all, the soccer game tied, of course. Doesn't every soccer game tie? Uh. The, the fact that they at least got to blow out nature's scoring at two to two i'm sure that thrilled all of the fans I Germany. i knew you
2: were gonna say this last <laughs> night last <laughs> night i was like i was like don't tie don't tie
1: <laughs> nope nope you knew I, I was you know but the fact that it was two to two i'll give him some credit for that that is a, a massive offensive outburst oh, was- two to two come on now all right. You um, Philadelphians need to be stopped. <laughs> we, we, are, we are feeling ourselves these days pretty good. I got to tell you that. We, we're we in good spirits. I don't think there's any doubt about it. And everybody now thinks the Phillies are going to win this thing in four. I'm not sure that's going to happen, but five would not surprise me at all. They have been so good and so dominant. And I will just say this, and I'm not patting myself on the back here because I'm not the only one who said it, but back in June and July, if you remember, A.J., it was grumpy old Bob who was upset and frustrated. The Phillies have all these star players, and all of them are playing badly at the same time, and they were still doing okay. They were treading water. They obviously were in a playoff position, but they certainly weren't living up to the salaries or the talent level that they have. And I was like, I've never seen a team – with so many superstars, legit superstars, that anybody in the game would say are superstars, and all of them basically failing miserably at the same time. It was after the All-Star break. Castellanos, who's the highlight you played um, on the sack fly there on the on the open, had a great first half, but he bottomed out in the second half. Harper wasn't hitting home runs yet. He was still recovering from the elbow thing. Trey Turner was in the midst of, you know, the worst slump of his career. JT Realmuto looked a step slow and wasn't swinging the bat great. Uh, Alex Baum was hitting into double plays. You know, none of their – Kyle Schwarber was hitting under 200, without the home runs none of them were playing well at all and I remember saying that it's just amazing to me that none of them were playing well at once and I said come October you gotta hope and you gotta believe that all those guys are going to be on the same page at the same time because that is a team built for October built for the postseason and they have lived up to that. Well, they are all June, on the same page.
2: In June who said they were going to pull this off? Who who was saying they were going to do this even before grumpy old Bob?
1: Well, you were just trying to make me feel better you because think I I'm way. miserable to work with when I'm grumpy, I know.
2: Yeah, no, I I I was I I will call it like I see it the 76ers, I knew they were going to, you know, do what they did and they yeah, I know how it ended. And then of course the Phillies. I I did not think these teams, these These regular season teams that are putting together all these wins are going to translate into the postseason. I I predicted, I didn't predict the Diamondbacks, but everybody else was going to be right there.
1: Well, the Diamondbacks are actually playing like the team that they were. During the regular season. They only won 84 games. They didn't get in until the very end. I mean, they were only like six games over 500. So I'm calling them out a little bit. I'm one of those Philly fans that's feeling really good right now because the Phillies have been so dominant. Look, the Phillies won 90 games. In the regular season, that's 18 games over 500. That's a pretty solid year. I would think any team in Major League Baseball, if they had to, would take that kind of year. The Diamondbacks only won 84 games, then they got hot for a while in the postseason, and now here they are down two games to none, heading back to Arizona. And maybe all this will come back to bite me, and they're going to sweep three in Arizona, and the pressure's all going to be on the fills coming back home, but I just don't see that happening. So, yes, I was with you on that, probably not as adamant, as you were, but I did feel as though that Philadelphia team was built for the postseason, and when the lights got brighter in October, they would all rise to the occasion, and that is certainly what has happened. And look, why why does Matt still have this axe to grind with Major League Baseball? Like, I know he does with the commissioner, Rob Manford, and so do I. He's not one of my favorite people either, but even the commissioner, and unless Matt has a conspiracy theory here, even the commissioner – can't script these games the fact that some of them have ended 10 to 2 or 10 to nothing that's not the commissioner's fault um or which teams are advancing to this point that's not the commissioner's fault either that's being played out on the field and i would argue that baseball is actually feeling pretty good are the tv numbers going to be where they would love them to be for these series probably not but let's remember in philadelphia i will bet they are through the roof right Everybody is watching or listening or at those games. And let's remember, Philadelphia is the fourth largest market in the country. Well, so it's those... a
2: huge party in Texas right now. I'm talking and, to and so many Texas, people.
1: Yeah. Yes, between Arlington and Houston, they're drawing massive numbers for those games. And they're selling them out. Look, the one he has the problem with that he needs to do something about, and they're doing, is Tampa, where they couldn't even fill their tiny little dilapidated, awful, ugly um, indoor stadium. For a playoff game, that's where he needs to do something, and apparently they are talking about getting ready to build a new stadium. But that's a problem that baseball and the commissioner can do something about. The fact that it's the Phillies against the Diamondbacks and the Rangers against the Astros and a couple of the games are blowouts – that you can't do anything about that that's the game being played on the field and i will argue there were enough plays in these last two playoff games the phillies and diamondbacks last night or monday night take your pick and the rangers astros at least from game 2 that finished 5-4 that would make up a whole highlight reel on espn so don't tell me that a highlight from the liberty middle tennessee game last night is going to you know, usurp the Major League Baseball playoffs in ESPN's highlight rundown. Also, I'm just not having any of that, AJ. I
2: also think that like the Nationals and and the Tampa Bay Rage could not be your flagship argument in in that debate. I I, I think there's so many again West Coast, the Angels, the the Giants, the Dodges They love those teams over there, man.
1: Yeah. Now, I will say, I, I would think Major League Baseball does have its fingers crossed at his holding its breath that we don't have an Arizona Texas final. That, like, the D backs don't come back and win this thing, and Texas wins. Um, that will cut off the entire East Coast of the country, probably to the midsection of the country quite frankly as great a story as that would be because that would mean arizona would have come back from two games down uh, to the big bad phillies who seem as dominant as any team since the 27 yankees right now oh calm down uh, you look at some of the numbers, you look at some of the home run numbers and some of the things the Phillies are doing and some of the things that have never been done before in postseason baseball. And I'm not embellishing that by too much, maybe a little bit, but not by too much. Some of the things that Schwarber has done and Castellanos has done and the Phillies as a team have done. And it is either right up there with those teams that we all remember or it's already gone past those teams. Trust me on that one. You know I know my stuff here. Come on now. Bird. All right. Uh, there you go. All right, so there you go. A Great win for the Phillies last night. Not the most gripping drama in the world. I'm sure a lot of people tuned it out uh, when the Phillies got the four and the seventh and then broke it wide open. But if you're a fan of the team, it was a great thing, and it was a heck of a night for sports in Philadelphia. I just got to believe that everybody from the mayor right on down is saying, let's not do that again. Let's not have those three major events at the basically at the same time. Two of them literally were scheduled at the same time at eight o'clock, and the other one they moved up to six. Let's let's not do that again because the experience I had on Monday night made it. Great, because you, I know, I sung the praises of all of that when I got back Tuesday and how good it was and how easy it was to find a parking space. And I remember sitting there tailgating Monday night and saying, hey, I'm glad we're not here tomorrow night. This would not be happening if it was Tuesday night. And apparently it wasn't because that was that was the headache in Philadelphia last night. All right. Enough of Philadelphia again. We're stopping right there. I don't even want to talk about James Harden. I don't care what he does at this point. I hope he never puts a Sixers uniform on again. So I guess I do hope, you know, I do care what he does. But I hope he never does. And it's not, I'll tell you what, I'll finish up with this. I know I'm already way behind. What's another minute? I've been listening a lot to Philly Sports Talk Radio. Of course, I clicked it on first thing today. There was hardly a mention. In fact, I don't even remember a mention of the Sixers and James Harden. It was 90% Phillies and about 10% Eagles. Because the Eagles have a big game coming up this week, and the later we get into the week, I'm sure the more they will talk about that because they've got the Dolphins on Sunday night football at Lincoln Financial Field where that will be the only game in the South Philly sports complex. So 70,000 people should be able to find their parking spaces on Sunday night in Philadelphia. But I don't care about James Harden. I wouldn't want to talk about it. In Philadelphia, it's all Phillies with a little bit of Eagles. And for the rest of this show, if I can do it, It'll be no Philadelphia talk. We will move on to the Washington Commanders and Liberty that won again last night, although they struggle, but they are 7-0, folks. Or JMU, which is getting set to play tomorrow night. Um, Commanders talk, obviously, all of that. So we will zero back in on the RVA and the DMV and the Mid-Atlantic, and we'll localize our sports talk to right here, in the good old River City of Richmond, Virginia. Eh, about five, six minutes late. Here we go with our verbal table of contents.
0: Here's what's coming up on today's sports huddle.
1: This is a huge fan of sport.
0: This is the River City Rundown. River City Rundown. Rundown.
1: River City Rundown brought to you by the Richmond chapter of the American Red Cross. Your help is needed for the Red Cross to continue to be on call for local or national emergencies. To learn how you can volunteer or donate blood, visit redcross.com. Now, this is really going to be a challenge for me, at least in the first hour, because we don't have any guests. So I need you all to steer me in different directions. A.J. will do his job at doing that as well. 804-327-0888, 327-0888. That's our on-air number. It's also our text line to talk about whatever you would like to talk about and steer me away from what I've been dominating the airwaves with here the last couple of days. We will do that in the 5 o'clock hour. Even though Virginia Tech is on a bye week and it's, it's a little bit less than the full bye because they're playing next Thursday night rather than Saturday. But if you're going to play one of these Thursday night games, uh, this is the way that you should do it, and that is to have the bye in front of it, which the Hokies do. So they get Syracuse next Thursday night. They should win that game. Syracuse has been awful. Uh, Mike Burnup, the uh, radio analyst on the Virginia Tech Sports Network, the Virginia Tech Hall of Famer, Uh, you know what? He just celebrated 500 consecutive Virginia Tech football broadcasts. He's been doing this for 40 years after playing for Virginia Tech, and he hasn't missed a game. That is absolutely phenomenal. And before you say it, A.J., yes, I've been doing this for 40 years. That's pretty well documented. But I've missed games. I'm not even close to that. Mike has not missed a game for anything. Um, Just hasn't been on the schedule or he was able to work it out or whatever. And that would be, you know, Weddings, birthday parties, anniversaries, funerals, whatever it may be, Mike Burnup has been on the call, most of it with Bill Roth, but also with some others, for 500 consecutive games. It's
2: funny you say that, because when I Google, I Google everyone to know everything about everybody that we have on, and the <laughs> first picture that comes up is him in his college gear, and he, it's black and white. I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> yes, and yes. just a plethora of just the the computer threw information at me he's 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 got a lot under his belt
1: oh he does he and he's one of the nicest friendliest guys of all time nice guys do finish first and mike burnham finishes first he is one of those really nice guys and he knows everything there is to know not only about virginia tech football which will dominate our conversation but hokey basketball as well because he also is the analyst on the hokey basketball games there aren't too many analysts that give you that combination where they do both football and men's basketball. Mike hasn't been doing the basketball side nearly as long as he's been on the football side, but he's been doing it and he knows everything you need to know about Hokie basketball as well. So we'll talk with Mike Burnup at 5.15 this afternoon. Again, primarily on on Hokie football because they're playing better. They've won two of the last three. They got a shot at the next one with Syracuse. So we'll catch up with Mike in the 5 o'clock hour. All right, uh, way behind already at, at 4.25. Let's get that first break in and then we'll start to catch up and we'll get back to some other sports conversation. On the other Side of our first time out on the Wednesday midweek edition of the Sports Hub.
0: Your day a little brighter with full length podcast of all our shows and interviews available at espnrichmond.com and on the iHeartRadio app.
1: All right, we're just about at the bottom of the hour. My Producer extraordinaire AJ tells me we're not as far behind as I think we are so i'm just going to keep rolling with the show keep having fun then this is a great way to do it 804-327-0888 is our phone number it's also our text line i'll check in on that because i always promote the text line and then i never go look at the uh, station texts i always look at the private text line as i led with this afternoon as well all right let's go to those phones let's do some sports talk sunny good afternoon how are things with you uh, excellent, Bob. Uh,
3: Thanks, man. Enjoyed the anecdote about about your children yesterday and going to Game One. That was fascinating. It was a and special experience.
1: It was a, It would have been well. like. It would have been like taking you, Sonny. You're a Braves fan, right? Could That's you have stum- That's Could you have? Could Could you have stomached going to that game? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty exciting. All, All right. All right. Good.
3: Anyway, I. Just, just have an anecdote tomorrow. JMU gets a spotlight. They get to be on ESPN. They have a seven o'clock game against Marshall in Huntington. And what I think was amusing about that was in '87, that was JMU's first ever playoff opponent. And I remember thinking, well, JMU was nine and two, and Marshall was seven and four. So I was a little surprised Marshall got the home game. And then I went and I went there to cover it for the student newspaper, and I saw why. Just an incredible atmosphere in Huntington for the Thundering Herd. And I certainly expect it to be like that tomorrow. But I remember thinking at the time, man, it would be really cool, if you could be like this one day. And, sh- and sure enough, the past few years, that, uh, that has happened.
1: And it will well, be it a t-
3: challenge tomorrow.
1: In relative term in relative terms, Sonny, it didn't even take them that long to get there. I know yeah. to you it must look feel like a lifetime, but in terms right. of college athletics, they've turned this around in a relatively short period of time to be where they are at this point I mean
3: one thing I thought was funny on Monday was you, you wouldn't believe the amount of screenshots people were taking and the others receiving votes. When it had James Madison 70, Clemson 35. Yes. And if somebody had told me six or seven years ago JMU would be ahead of Clemson in the national rankings, <laughs> I said, uh, yeah, I can believe that. Clemson might be number four or five, and JMU could be one or two in the FCS.
1: Right, right. That'll um, be a fun game. They'll have a great but, atmosphere. Yeah, I they mean, lost
3: Mar- to Marshall last year. Remember, yeah. that was their homecoming, and they lost. Cam Fancher, their lefty quarterback, is still back. Uh, Rasheen Ali is an excellent running back, very fast. And I know they're mad right now, the, the herd, I mean, because they played NC State close. Thrilling game. I believe it's forty eight forty one 48-41, Wolfpack. Uh, the first game Brennan Armstrong wasn't playing. And then last week they went to what used to be called Turner Field with Georgia State as the opponent, and they had all kinds of problems. They had a punt block for a touchdown, and Georgia State pretty much led it the whole way.
1: This is a... Meanwhile,
3: that was by far their best game of the year when they played Georgia Southern. They had been lucky to win their previous four. They'd had to come down to a defensive stop on the last possession every time, from UVA to Troy to Utah State to South Alabama. And then with Georgia Southern, they just played fantastic. Curious to see if they can come close to that on the road tomorrow.
1: Yep, that'll be on ESPN um, tomorrow night. Mm-hmm. All right, enjoy that one, Sonny. Appreciate you checking you. in with us. Sure. Thank uh, you. you know, have a good one, Mar- yeah, Thanks, Sonny. Marshall's um, Marshall's schedule has been pretty intriguing, actually, as Sonny was alluding to. They won their first four games. They had a, a CAA team to open with, and by all accounts, in talking to CAA people, Albany should have won that game. They lost it 21-17. Then they knocked off East Carolina, convincingly. Then they had the Tech game, right? They beat Tech um, at home, close game. Tech probably should have won that game, actually. Uh, then they had the close game with Old Dominion. So they've been kind of skating on thin ice pretty much the whole way. Then they had the seven-point loss to NC State. And then, as Sonny said, the bottom kind of fell out on them at Georgia State. And then their schedule is intriguing even on the other side, of JMU. They got to go to Coastal Carolina. They got to go to Appalachian State. Then they get Georgia Southern which um which is having a decent year as well. And then they get South Alabama which is okay, not great. And they finish up with who do they finish up with? Arkansas State which again is a 500 team so they have a really intriguing schedule marshall is who i'm talking about here so tomorrow night is kind of a crossroads game for them and of course yeah jmu's coming in there with that bullseye on their uniform jersey um the only remaining unbeaten team in 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 the sunbelt six and zero overall and three and zero in the in the conference marshall at four and two and one and one in the uh in the Sun Belt east so that's a huge game tomorrow night uh, i will probably check in on it from time to time the Phillies game is at like five o'clock um so you know when it's over I'll watch the second half of JMU and Marshall tomorrow night I'll be very interested to see that as a matter of fact all right let's get a break on the other side the other team we brought up I want to spend a little bit of time on a couple minutes at least is Liberty and what the Flames are doing unbeaten at 7-0 how about that combination of James Madison and Liberty at the FBS level in 2023, a combined 13-0 and 0 They've earned this it. season. What's that? They've earned it. They have. But, um, you know, crunch on that a little bit while we go to the break. We'll come back on the other side, talk a little bit about those Liberty Flames who escaped last night. They they were fortunate to win last night. But, hey, uh, that's the bottom line, isn't it? Win the game. And they did. Talk more about that on the other side. One zero six one ESPN.
0: Second straight playoff appearance out of the CAA.
1: Follow them on their quest every step of the way.
0: Here on your home for the Richmond Spiders, 1061 ESPN.
1: So I hope you caught Matt Joseph's conversation with Camden Coleman. The Spiders' true freshman quarterback was his Spider Insider guest, this afternoon at about three thirty, I assume we'll have that up if we don't already, in our audio vault on our website at ESPN Richmond because he's a great, free-spirited kind of guy who has not been shy of the microphone and the camera, and obviously he's been backing it up of late. Great story. The six touchdown passes two weeks ago, a couple more last week in the win over Rhode Island, got named to the Jerry Rice watch list as the top uh, FCS guy. Um, You know, all of that. Great conversation with Matt. Uh, this afternoon, I'll give you a little inside radio, AJ. You can certainly chime in here as that interview is going, as Matt and Cam are talking. I'm listening because I'm pre- prepared for the huddle at 4 o'clock. Of course, I wanted to wanted to hear that um, because it was Cam Coleman. And AJ and I started texting. And AJ says, wow, I like this kid. He's a good talker and all that. And I just said, sunshine, right, AJ? Sunshine. Yep, yep. And you know what I meant, right? Yeah the quarterback, and remember the Titans. He sounds like him, and most importantly, he looks like him. He has the blonde, flowing hair down to the shoulder length, and he just looks like it.
2: That's before I knew all the beach stuff, when I first just pulled him up. I was like, that's the first thought that went to my head.
1: Yeah, it's really cool. And as I said, we we mentioned that on one of the, the play-by-play broadcasts probably. I'm like, well, it ended pretty well for Sunshine and remember the Titans. So if uh, Cam Coleman could have the same kind of Hollywood script ending... I'd be okay with that.
2: I've so. done a lot in this world, Bob, but if my name is ever in the same sentence with Jerry Rice, I I think I could die happy.
1: You're you're pretty good, right? Yeah, absolutely. So that was that was pretty cool. That got announced um, today, and in a typical fashion, he found it out the way everybody finds things out in this day and age. As he related to uh, to Matt, and that's via social media. So congratulations to him, and it was a good interview. If you want to catch it, um, ESPNRichmond.com. dot uh, com. All right. Uh, so look, Liberty won last night again first of all i hate the midweek games i'm opposite of matt joseph's i'm not a fan of playing college football middle of the week and that's that's probably twofold as a college football fan i'm not a fan of it although it would certainly give you something to watch middle of the week uh particularly this time of year i get it if you're not a baseball fan um you're waiting for college basketball to start at least it fills a little bit of the void but it just doesn't do it for me um that's number one. And number two, working in the industry, it's really a challenge, really a hardship, not just for coaches, but administrators and anybody else connected with the game. College football should be played on Saturdays, with the rare exception of a Friday night, and then when we get into the uh, bowl season, obviously, uh, during the holidays, that that's a whole other story. That having been said, believe it or not, I actually watched – some of that game last night even with the phillies game on because it doesn't take long to figure out that the between inning breaks are like three minutes in these major league baseball playoff games this is why even with the pitch clock the baseball playoff games have been going three hours and three hours plus plus. and you know what nobody cares it's postseason playoff baseball nobody is complaining that the game is taking too long because it goes three hours and six minutes now because of the magnitude of the game and that it still flows accordingly nobody in citizens bank bar cared that those games went 305 or 310 the last couple of nights but part of it is because the network breaks are about a half minute longer than an in-season break they're at about three minutes so in three minutes, I could watch each team have the ball once, the way the Liberty Middle Tennessee State game was going last night, that ended 42 to 35 for Liberty. So they kind of got a scare last night because that's a game that, at least if you go by the records and the fact that they were they were home at uh, Williams Stadium there in Lynchburg, that they they should have won that game even a little bit more handily than they did. Now, the two things that I saw, uh, Liberty can run the heck out of the ball. At least they did last night. I mean, Caden Salter was, I'd call him kind of pedestrian as a throwing quarterback, uh, but it's the first, you know, decent look I've gotten at him this year. Um, As a running quarterback, 16 carries, 160 yards. It uh, doesn't take long mathematically to figure out that's 10 yards a carry. That's a first down every time he touches the football. And then Quentin Cooley, 134 yards. Uh, they're running back on 24 carries and three touchdowns. Uh, Salter did throw two touchdown passes, so I'm not saying he was, was totally Quite a inept. few
2: quarterbacks in this state have done that. That's kind of our they, MO.
1: They have. Absolutely, they have. And some that we probably kicked out of this state to go elsewhere. 100% as well um but anyway so i did get a chance to see now the problem with doing that in three minute increments is you don't really get the flow of the game like i knew it was close i was surprised to see it was like tied at halftime at at 21 i guess it was probably tied after the third quarter liberty scored in the fourth quarter to go ahead and then held on to win that game but you know what you got to win some of those games at some point if you're going to go on to win a championship if you're going to go on to a bowl game at some point you're going to have to win a game like that where you are expected to win fairly handily and you don't um middle tennessee i think came into that game at two and five maybe two and six two and five they're two and six now and you know it took liberty all 60 minutes to win that game, and now they get a little bit of a break because they'll get the mini-buy because they won't play this weekend. I'm still just not a huge fan, particularly the Tuesday-Wednesday. I think those games particularly are out on an island there, and I know if you're a college football fan and you're desperate or if you're a better and you're a gambler and you want to put some money down, it's the way to do it. The Thursday night, you know, if it's the right matchup, you could convince me it's worth watching and it's a good thing. Other than that, please keep my college football on Saturday. I know I sound kind of like the old guy there, but I'd rather have the college football on Saturday. Like tomorrow, I'm okay. JMU, Marshall, um, they're getting ESPN. The it's Thursday. It's close enough to the start of the weekend. It's it's a descript game. It's a conference game. We talked about it Sunday when he called in. Marshall beat JMU and Harrisonburg on their homecoming last year. It has storylines, has good teams. I, I'm kind of okay with that one. But for the most part, eh, not necessarily. Uh, and I was gonna look real quick here. Liberty at what seven and 5 and zero in Conference USA. And if I'm not mistaken, they've already beaten the teams ahead of them in the um, in Conference USA. They've already beat or are the teams that are right behind them. Nobody can be ahead of them. They're in first place at five and zero. They've already beaten Jacksonville State. Beat them thirty-one to thirteen. They've already beaten New Mexico State. That was early in the year, 33-17. Uh, they get Western K- Kentucky next on the road, uh, which is 4-3 and three and 2-1. and one. I think last night will serve as a great opportunity for coaches to coach and teach Liberty uh, going into that Western Kentucky game next week on the road uh, in Bowling Green, Kentucky. Uh, and, and one other thing on Liberty before they play that game next week, A.J., remind me of this as we get back to being on pretty much every day next week because the baseball playoffs will be will be uh, down to just night games at that point. Um, our buddy in the station, Chris Weigel, our chief engineer. I've you know him. Chris, right? You know him well. Met him right? once or twice. Yeah. Well, he used to work for the Liberty Radio Network for their broadcast. So he's he's all in on Liberty. And he, too, has my direct uh, text line for this program. And a couple weeks well, more than a couple weeks ago, at the start of the college football season, he was all over me about getting their their uh, their radio guy, Alan York, on the air with us. And I kind of ignored Chris, to be honest with you, and just kind of picked up on our conversation. And I texted him, I said, get me Alan York next week. Now you know what Chris said, AJ? He
2: respectfully said, Thank you, sir. I will get right on that.
1: No, he said, how much are you going to pay me to do that? Uh, that can you well believe like that? That's Chris. And then he told me that he works for certain favorite things of his. I'm sure you can figure out what those food and beverage items might kind of, be. So, thought. Yeah, yeah. So I can take care of him from that standpoint. And he'll uh, He'll get me in touch with Alan, and we'll get him on next week, talk a little bit about what happened last night and their win, uh, how good they have been. Uh, Whatever the schedule may be, they've won them all. And a relatively big game against Western Kentucky. Then they get Louisiana Tech, which is not great. Then they go out of conference for Old Dominion and UMass. They should win those. And they finish up at UTEP, which also is not a great team. So they could be staring uh, after Western Kentucky, uh, potentially at running the table. Uh, I don't know if their broadcaster would look that far ahead, let alone their coach, who I know wouldn't. But they they could be looking at, at run liberty could be looking at running the table in conference USA that that would be we, pretty impressive. we got
2: some exciting teams in this state doing some great things
1: well right there in that part of the state we do I can tell you that liberty being in Lynchburg and James Madison being in Harrisonburg that's for sure so all right I have totally um, lost track of things here I got one more break to get in here don't I.
2: It's almost as if your producer predicted the whole hour and was ready for every second of it.
1: Well, then be ready for one more break before we have one more quick segment. Get to the ESPN Sports Center update over under. If Christine's doing the Sports Center update again at five o'clock and it's not recorded from the four o'clock, and stealing she, my ideas, is she stealing? Is she leading with James Harden again at five o'clock? I'm going to go no this hour. I'm assuming she's doing a fresh update every hour. I hope she is. But I'm going to hope that as we get closer to game time, she's going to lead with baseball. I mean, it's on her airwaves. ESPN Radio's got this game tonight. Game three, Max Scherzer's on the mound for the Texas Rangers. We will see if she sticks with James Harden or if American League Championship game three or something else. Harden and Richardson
2: Richardson shoulder injury. That's what it's going to be.
1: It's going to be one or the other or both. I'm, I'm with you on that before they get to baseball, if they get to baseball at all. I'm just thinking it's like three hours from airtime and first pitch time for a game on their airwaves tonight. You would think both journalistically and from a programming standpoint, you might want to talk about that a little bit. And she's terrific, by the way. She's been great at what she does for a long time. We'll find out after the break, One zero six one ESPN.
0: This weekend, the spiders travel to Greensboro to take on the Aggies of North Carolina AT. Catch all the action here beginning Saturday afternoon at 12.30, here on your exclusive home for the Richmond Spiders. 1061-ESPN. <laughs>
1: We are quickly approaching that 5 o'clock ESPN sports Center update. I will tell you, no sports huddle tomorrow because of baseball and no sports huddle Friday because I'm traveling for the Richmond-North Carolina A&T game on Saturday. You heard the promo just a few moments ago, 1230 airtime. I am on tomorrow, though, from uh, the Brass Tap. If you'd like to come by for lunch behind the web with Spider head coach Russ Usman, our special player guest is defensive end Jeremiah Grant, who had three quarterback sacks in last week's victory at rhode island so he'll be on hand at the brass tap with us tomorrow you'll hear it live here on 106.1 espn from noon to one but uh, we'd love to have you come over there Libby mill midtown great place great food they love us over there we love them uh we'll talk some college and spider football with coach Usman and big jeremiah grants our guest tomorrow from noon to one on behind the web all right let's see what's up with espn sports center Let's see what they're thinking is their top story this afternoon, and then um, we'll talk about it when they're done and we come back for the 5 o'clock hour of the Sports Huddle Plus. Mike Burnham from Virginia Tech joins us. We'll talk some hokey football and maybe a little basketball thrown in there as well in the 5 o'clock hour. Coming up next, Sports Huddle 1061 ESPN.
2: on ESPN Red.